0: I'm Edie Wagner. Welcome to the Best of Simply Money. Each week we put together some of our favorite segments from the 55KRC radio show exclusively for this podcast. If you've looked at Zillow or your property tax bill, then you know your house is worth more. Steve and I discuss the unexpected reasons why home prices are skyrocketing right now and what you need to know before you start investing in real estate. We also talk about handling student debt when loan forgiveness could be on the horizon and the non-financial ingredients that create a successful retirement. Finally, I interview Steve Watkins from the Cincinnati Business Courier about Kroger's post-vaccine future. Have you checked out Zillow or maybe your property tax bill lately? If you have, you know the value of your home. Man, it is way up. You've been listening to Simply Money tonight. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sproveck. Cash offers above the list price. Uh, houses bought sight unseen. These are just some of the signs that while well, the housing market is on fire, Steve, you've seen this too.
1: Oh yeah, I, I don't think a lot of people realize how on fire this market really is, and it's, it's not just West Coast. I mean, here in Cincinnati, I I saw some numbers from this past September. Cincinnati was the second hottest real estate market in the whole country. I got it. Isn't that be- awesome? I got to think Phoenix is first because I, I, you know, I've got a son out there and I yes. love visiting him and his family and and we were looking at condos just for the heck of it. Hey, you know, let's let's have a realtor take a look at this one. It's kind of interesting. Within 24 hours, there were 32 offers. Every single one of them over list. I, I mean, how Crazy. much hotter can it get?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I never would have thought here in the tri-state area, it would be like that, right? I mean, we've seen that house prices, median sale prices in Cincinnati up 16% from last year in in the number of houses that go at or below list price, incredibly low. So my fiance, you know, we're, we're building a house. And so Mm -hmm. at some point this summer, we had to have to sell both of our homes. Well, we were going to wait until, you know, maybe a month or two before that the house was finished being built. Well, a realtor contact, Jason and said, hey, I have some buyers um, that are just really, really want to get out of an apartment right now. They're first time home buyers. They have been outbid a couple of times on houses. And so they ended up going $25,000 above what they had been willing to do initially uh to get a house, and in 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 the terms of it where they pay closing costs um they can have an inspection but it doesn't matter the results he's not paying to fix anything this is truly what the market is like right now
1: well you you know if you've got 32 offers into one place i i I mean the seller can pick and choose what he wants and he's not gonna say oh that 10 percent down that's good enough Oh, okay. You're willing to waive inspection. Well, how about appraisal? You know, let, let, let's get a little something. When when supply and demand is that far out of whack, I, you know, it, it's it's really gonna be a tough market, especially on on first time home buyers. But yeah, you know, Amy, I, I think a lot of people are saying, what what's going on here? Is this a yeah. bubble that's ready to be burst? But it's really again supply and demand. The the demographics. You've got millions of millennials entering their 30s. I mean, that, that's their prime home buying age. A lot of people have been able to save a little bit more money during the pandemic, and you've been locked down and sick and tired of looking at the same four walls. So you've got these things combining with low interest rates, easy money, and, and, you know, that's, that's a huge amount of demand. So I you don't think a it's going to end soon. Yeah, yeah well,
0: and you, you mentioned a bubble. and I, I have heard many people uh, kind of come up to me and ask me what my thoughts are about this. Fundamentally, we're in a very different place than we were yeah. in 07 and 08. I mean, this yeah. is when banks were letting you, you know, a bank would look at me and say, Amy Wagner... Here's a million-dollar house, right? Yeah. Here's a, I couldn't afford that. But banks were allowing us to buy houses that we couldn't truly afford. Right. And then, of course, when things got out of control, um, foreclosure after foreclosure after foreclosure, and the house of cards came tumbling down. That's not what's happening now. I mean, the demand out there, I think, is coming from w- what you said, right? We've got people mm-hmm. aging into the home buying. But at the same time, we have record low interest rates. Yeah. Uh, and so there's there's lots of people that are saying, "Okay, you know if i 'm looking at renting versus buying it's almost a no brainer in this low interest rate environment
1: yeah and and you know there's concern about well, maybe inflation is going to start picking up, especially with some of the spending that's being proposed out of washington and, and it is slightly i mean we we 've seen thirty year mortgage rates edge up from 2.6, 2.7 to 2.9, 3.0. Um, that's not enough to to quench this fire. I, I, I mean, you know, the, the rates would have to increase. Mortgage rates would have to increase a whole lot more than that. And I don't think anybody's expecting that. It's again, I'm going to get back to this being totally different from the 2007. Housing bubble which precipitated the 2008 stock market crash and and back then you you said it it was easy money if you signed your name you got pretty much whatever you wanted yeah thankfully that's not the case now actually banks are uh, considerably tougher with lending standards than they were in 07. They have to be. Yeah, they do. So if it's not that, what else is going on? Well, we've got really high lumber costs for for materials. I'm I'm hearing lumber companies quoting prices with a two-week time limit. In other words, this quote's good for two weeks, three weeks, it may be a totally different price. You've got that You've got material bottlenecks. I mean, there, there are still some serious concerns with COVID and shipping and, and getting stuff from, from source to endpoint. Uh, and, and there is a big shortage, especially around large cities, of land and a tough labor market. It's hard to find good workers. I mean, you, I think you got lucky. If If someone out there right now is trying to get a house built or a major renovation, Good luck finding a good contractor within the next couple months.
0: Well, I mean, and to your point, to even get the land that I was I was online at the minute that it opened up, but it became available, mm-hmm. and refresh, refresh, refresh to try to get an appointment to, to select a lot. So it is not easy out there. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC, the housing market. Man, it is going gangbusters. It is super hot right here in the tri-state. Tonight we're breaking down what's going on, what's causing it to be so hot, and and what does it mean to you? One thing that I've noticed, Stephen, one of my hobbies, I love just getting on um, MLS websites and looking sure. at the houses that are on the market. And what I've noticed recently is houses in older neighborhoods. So I, I live in northern Kentucky, so it's like Park Hills and Fort Wright and things like that. When you look at the outside of the house, you can tell it's an older home. Mm-hmm. You look at the inside and it is pristine, right? New yep. granite countertops, new hardwood floors, new light fixtures. Many houses are being flipped. And that's what's making this market even tougher. For first-time homebuyers to get in, because there are investors looking to buy and either flip houses or rent them out and make some money that way.
1: No, no question. And it's not just you know the the flipper that you know back in 07 and 08, you had people coming in and and you know, foreclosure. Let's let's pick up this this house that's been running in, into the ground. Let's update it and, and turn it within thirty days. Um, it, it's not so much that as it is you've got large. Um, financial firms stepping yeah. in, and, and they're competing with retail investors to buy numerous houses and send in construction crews. So it, it's not just the you know the handyman that's trying to make a few bucks. You've got pensions, you've got private private equity firms with billions of dollars, yield chasing investors. They're snapping up these these single family homes to, to either flip or more likely rent out. I, I mean, in Houston, 24 percent of home buyers are investors.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you this, Steve, because you're right. There's some big institutional investors, but let's face it, I think a lot of us are attracted to the thought of owning property. It feels different than owning stocks. Stocks just don't feel so tangible. You own a piece of a company, but many times you've never even stepped foot in the company or used that product. At the same time, you own a house, you own a rental property. You can see it, touch it, feel it. It's very tangible. Have you had people coming to you talking about the fact that they maybe want to throw their hat into the real estate ring?
1: I I do, and I'm seeing it more now than I did five or or ten years ago. But I Mm -hmm. I keep coming back to, to, uh, you know, I owned a boat a long time ago. And and Mm -hmm. there's a phrase when you own a boat of the two best days in your life, the day you bought your boat, the day you sold your boat. And it's kind of the same way with rental property. I'm not saying you can't make money with rental property, but, you know, there there are some problems that go along with it also. I, I mean, are you ready to take that? 2 a.m., my toilet's clogged phone call, I need, I need you to send a plumber type, type phone call. And, and you know, the, these are the issues that a lot of people don't necessarily uh, think about when they get into rental property. But we, we are seeing that trend, and, and more and more people are interested. And I, I think part of that, Amy, I think part of that is because the stock market has gotten so much attention from for all the wrong reasons. I mean, we just saw GameStop. You know, j- just uh, totally go haywire from uh, you know a, a back corner um, uh, uh, little website. Uh, yeah, Reddit. Yeah, yeah, and and people are hopping on Robinhood and buying this thing and driving it up from five dollars to hundreds of dollars in the space of a couple of weeks. And it's almost and, and,
0: gamifying, right? Well, being it, being part of the stock market. It,
1: it is, and I I think if you're thinking, what can I do with this money that I've saved up over the last year? How should I invest it? You think that that's the stock market. And a a building, a house, uh, a rental property, it's got a little bit more substance. So maybe that should be safer. And and we're seeing that, I I mean, more than half of Americans think that owning a rental property is a better long-term investment than the stock market. That's a major sea change in attitudes towards real estate and the stock market.
0: You know, we have looked at, and Ed Fink, the founder of Simply Money, I remember him going back and looking, and it was like since, oh my goodness, like 1850, 1875, something like that, um, the housing as an investment and how it, it, it has barely outpaced inflation. Yeah, yeah. And you hear the stories, right? I bought this house in 1950 for $19,000, and I sold it for 150 or whatever it is. Listen, what you're not taking into account is, first of all, how many years that's been, how many trips to Lowe's and Home Depot, and and roofs that have been replaced, and insurance that you've paid. So you can't look at the number when that house was bought and the, uh, the you know and when it's sold as just those pure numbers. There's a lot of other things that go into it, but truly over time, the cost of it, the cost of investing in real estate or the, the, what you get back is about two and a half, 3%. At best. Uh, yeah. Yeah. At and, best, and so
1: conveniently they they forget about oh yeah, and I had to put a roof on it that year, and I mm-hmm. had to do this this year. Oh, and cut the grass. Yeah, I don't like story doing isn't anymore, nearly so as good then, right? All <laughs> the maintenance can get really expensive. I, I mean, you could say the same about a lot of asset classes. If you bought a new Mustang in 1965, it would have cost you about three grand. Well, if you kept that in decent condition and maintained it, you might get thirty, forty, fifty, eighty thousand dollars for it today. But it's still the same car. You know, did it really outpace inflation? Did it do better than stocks or bonds or other types of investments? You know, I'm going to use the term hedge. Real estate has always been considered a good hedge. And the definition of a hedge is something that goes in the opposite direction of the bulk of your money. So if the stock market goes down, hopefully your hedge, maybe real estate, goes up. And real estate's always been a good, solid performer, a good, solid hedge, For people who have most of their money through their 401k and other investments in stocks and bonds, except for 2007, 2008. I I mean, that that was the area that dropped first real estate lost. You lost a lot of money. Chances were in 2007 and then right after that the stock market went you know where in 2008 real estate
0: can go down right i mean it can can just as easily as the stock market can so if you're a buyer and seller man understand this is going to be an interesting year for you if you're an investor looking to maybe jump into the fray please go into it with eyes wide open understand what you're getting yourself into here's the simply money point the housing market it is hot but don't expect it to stay that way forever President Biden has asked his education secretary to start to look into whether or not he has the authority to cancel $50,000 of student debt by executive order. This is this is interesting.
1: Yeah, this this has been talked about for a while. And, and this administration apparently wants to get something through. You know, about the only thing I agree with this is is Biden. He's saying maybe we should subsidize the interest on student debt and make it a 0% rate, I I could actually kind of live with that, but I have a big, big problem w- with the whole concept of, oh no, just get rid of it. I, I mean, both of my sons went to colleges, both had free rides and they opted to go elsewhere. And I, I told them when, when we were at this point in their decision-making, listen, if you don't want to go where it's free and you're going to go to this school that you think you're going to like better, you're coming out with debt and mommy and daddy aren't paying for this. And And they both paid back every dime. And it was a struggle for them to pay back their debt. I just don't, Get why uh, that, that type of individual is, in my, my view, penalized. That other people that just signed their name and took on debt, it, it just gets wiped out by, by an act of the presidency. I, I, and, I don't get this.
0: And no other time in your life, right, are you going to take on debt and someone's going to say, eh, it's okay. Forget yeah. that credit card oh. debt. Forget oh. that mortgage. Forget that. So I, w- I worry that it's sending the wrong sign uh, to kids who are just that's getting the out the of college. the wrong sign. I, I
1: mean, you sign your name to a contract. That's a contract. And and you shouldn't expect anybody to, to say, oh, maybe you didn't know what you were signing. Maybe you just weren't clear on it. That's OK. We'll forgive that debt. I, I, I love this Bill Gates quote. Life's not fair. Get used to it.
0: That's yeah. Bill Gates. Great. <laughs> I mean, and it's true and and you learn that time and time again from probably the day after you graduate from college until the day you retire and beyond um but i think that the larger conversation that needs to take place between parents and their kids who are getting ready to go to college is, first of all, uh, where they're going to go, right? Yeah. Can we truly afford this? Those bumper sticker schools, and trust me, my daughter would love to go to one of them. We have this conversation all the time about in-state and what that costs uh, versus out-of-state.
1: I was looking at Florida. I was looking at Hawaii. I had great ideas. Oh,
0: oh so is she. <laughs> she just wants to go south. If, if there are palm trees yeah. on the campus, Grace is all in. Yeah. Um, but we also talked about, okay, and what does that major look like? What can you reasonably expect to make that? First year out of college, you want to go to some private out-of-state school, rack up all this debt, yeah. and be a teacher, which is a great, great career. At the same time, what can you expect to make maybe $40,000 that first year out of college? You're going to be drowning in debt for years and years to come.
1: Yeah, you are. I was reading this article in NPR, which, you know, it's it's just uh talking about how tough this job market is for graduating seniors this year and, and mm-hmm. I'm saying oh okay these are these are rough numbers that is rough and then, then I I I look a little deeper and the the first individual that they're they're using as an example is graduating from McAllister College, good good college, but my wife's from Minnesota, and and I, I know, that's where McAllister is. I know all about it, and they tend to graduate students with very liberal arts types of degrees. And this this student is saying, I've sent out 130, 140 uh, uh, applications. Maybe it's my cover letter because I haven't received any responses. Well, his major is anthropology. Now now you know <laughs> it's, it's not the cover letter, it's kid. The cover it's letter. the major. <laughs> and, and that is an extremely expensive school, and and this gets you know this gets back to the amount of student debt. If you opt for a, a college that's a private, very expensive college, as opposed to going to community uh, college or or you know maybe just a, a cheaper public or in state school, well that's a conscious choice that you made, and and if you had to take on debt because of that, that's another choice that you made, and here we are, taxpayers as a group funding these poor choices so that they don't have to pay this money back.
0: Here's a Simply Money point. Make sure your children are ready for today's economy with marketable degrees and a college education that they and you can truly afford. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC, the talk station.
1: Will you be happier in retirement? Leaving work behind can feel great. But retirement comes with its own set of challenges. Amy, I deal with investors all day long and, you know, everybody concentrates on the money side. Do I have enough money to survive in retirement, to not penny pinch? It's more than that.
0: Oh, you start with money and that's what you think about. And the problem, I think, for too many of you is is that you don't think about what am I going to do? On a random Tuesday afternoon. Um, how much of how many of the people that you work with are you friends with outside of work? How much of those relationships do you depend on for your social life? There's a lot of questions that you need to ask, but it, it's much more social and emotional than just financial. Uh, and I think that's so important to think too. In fact, we've done lots of research on this as the company. It comes down to health and wellness, a purpose. What are you going to do in retirement um, that's going to fill you up? Prosperity. So that's that's the money point. Um, And people, who are you going to surround yourself with? Who are you going to talk to every day?
1: You know, everybody thinks that, okay, there's good examples that I can learn from. You can learn from not so good examples. And and unfortunately, my dad was one of those when he retired his and and, uh, my mom, his wife had passed uh, passed away young. So here he is, 62 years old. Sick of work, and work is his identity, and he decides to retire if you have no outside interests you 're going to have a problem in, in 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 adjusting to retirement because you know what do you what do you do with friends that were coworkers that you don 't see anymore you know yeah. you don 't have any hobbies, so what are you going to do after you wake up watch t v all day and this This can be just absolutely crushing the people that I meet with that say. Uh, To me, months after they retire, Steve, I don't know how I ever fit work into the picture. They're good.
0: Yeah. Find yourself a retirement mentor. So last yeah. Friday, we didn't have work, and I went to the gym at 8 o'clock in the morning after I dropped off my kids at school. And it is um, retirement central, and I loved it. So when I was in the treadmill, I was surrounded by all these people, and there was a guy behind me who said, I'm a professor. I'm never going to retire. I've invested a lot of time into this um, teaching tool that we're using now, and I'm going to stay. And the guy next to him had his yoga mat, and he was like, oh, no, no, no. I was so happy to walk out the door. But I'm also volunteering at my grandkids' yep. school, and I do, right? And so I'm thinking, my gosh, find where people who are retired yep. and ask them questions. What worked for you? What didn't work for you? I have a dear friend who had a super fast-paced career. Uh, he was a reporter and anchor for years, broke tons of stories, won all these Emmys, and then he retired. And we went to lunch not long after we retired, and he said, it, I can't find my footing, he said, I go to the gym for a few hours, and then I, like, read the paper for a few hours. He's like, I just, he was lacking that purpose. Yeah. He couldn't figure out what it was. Now, he has since, but, man, he wasted a year or two there. Well,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, before you sign the papers, have these, have these ideas, have these thoughts. Talk it over with your spouse. What is your average day going to be like? Oh, I've got tons of projects. I, I, that's going to take me forever. No, it's not. You're going to get the projects done around the house. In a couple of weeks, couple of months, but they're they're gonna get done. So I, I think having outside interest is, is a key. I, I'm thinking as a perfect example, good friend of mine, guy named John Dalton. We we fly together. He's he retired from a roofing company and. He decided, you know, I've been a pilot for a while. I'm going to become a flight instructor. So now Mm -hmm. he's engaged. He gets to do what he wants, when he wants, makes a couple of bucks. On his terms. On his his terms. And and he was also pretty good at, at working Excel spreadsheets. So he goes over to Cincinnati State, and they are more than happy to hire him. So he's doing a little bit of teaching on the side. These are great activities that he thought of before he retired, and now he's having a whole heck of a lot of fun.
0: I can't tell you how many times the story of retirement has gone something like this. One of us retired first, they got into their whole routine of the day and how it, and then the other one retires Fill in the blank. A few weeks later, a few months later, a few years later, and it totally upset the apple cart, right? The person sure. who was used to staying home had their way of doing things. So, man, I'm talking. This is not only an individual figure out how you're going to feel. This is a conversation with a spouse. How are we going to make this work and get along together? Right? No,
1: no question. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Steve sprovac along with uh, Amy Wagner, hey, and we're talking about how you can have a successful retirement. Past the money concerns that it's all not just about money. I, I, I think, Amy, a lot of people think that, all right, I, I retired. I'm going to go to Florida. I'm going to go to Arizona. I, I mean, we're seeing uh, large numbers of people and, and have been for decades going to those states. But there there's a problem with relocating in retirement also, isn't there?
0: There is. And I think a lot of people don't really think through that. There's a number of things. First of all, what is the cost really going to be? Um, You know, some of you don't think about, okay, Florida sounds great. What about hurricanes and hurricane insurance Mm -hmm. and things like that? Um, And then also, where's your family? Because Bingo. you may go to Florida, and your family may be here in the tri-state, and and th- that Florida sunshine is going to be great for a while, and then you miss your grandson's baseball game, and you miss yeah. your granddaughter's yeah. ballet recital, and all of a sudden it's not so great anymore.
1: And that's what my dad found. He he moved to Florida because his brother had just done that, and it's warmer, and he wanted to get out of the cold northern United States. And and I I get all that, but now you're finding new doctors new friendships, new hobbies, Um, you don't know anybody. And and in his case, two years later, he sold his house, moved right back. It's not that easy to do. I, 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 I think you've got to really think this through before you make any major, major decisions. Here's the Simply Money Point. Life can be better after you leave work if you take care of your health, find a purpose, are financially confident, and surrounded by the right people.
0: do your grocery shopping if you're like many of us you shop at the hometown team Kroger and during this pandemic the way that you shop has shifted dramatically so what does the new world look like joining us tonight Steve Watkins staff reporter for the Cincinnati Business Courier Steve you've been covering the Kroger beat for a long time now no question things have changed in the way that we grocery shop and Kroger's keeping a close eye on that
2: yeah, absolutely. They're uh they're making changes on the fly quite a bit. And um, you know, they they've really had a, a huge move, especially toward digital sales, people doing pickup and uh even delivery at home. Um, that kind of business has just soared for them. It it doubled last year, top ten billion dollars for Kroger, and they expect it to double again by twenty twenty three. So they really they're really in the middle, I guess, of a shift. From, you know, doing the vast, vast majority of their business in the stores like we're all used to and shifting to more uh, digital sales.
0: I was an early adopter to ClickList. I'm a single working mom, kids working, you know, full-time job. And I loved ClickListing. And I remember people at work would always, always say like, no, but you can't pick out your produce and you can't. But then during this pandemic, I think what Kroger experiences, what so many other businesses did, maybe we would have gone down this digital uh, road anyway, but it certainly sped up how many people were trying it.
2: Yeah, the CEO, Rodney McMullen, gave me a great anecdote um, about uh, two months ago when I wrote a cover story. He said um, the amount of digital sales shift by customers was about five years worth within about five weeks right after the pandemic struck a year ago. It just condensed what probably would have taken five years, and they did it all in a little more than a month. So, yeah, it, it just accelerated everything.
0: Okay, so they're focusing on digital sales. What else are they focusing on that maybe we've figured out during this pandemic could be the way of the future?
2: Well, one of the things is uh, their fresh uh, product sales, basically fresh produce, um, deli, bakery, all those things. Um, They've talked about fresh food um that was a big push even last year even before the pandemic uh their fresh for everyone slogan yeah
0: their marketing uh, was, campaign
2: was a big deal yeah and um you know they they have found that during the pandemic and then even post pandemic they feel like that is really going to be the big differentiator. Randy McMullen talked the other day, last week they had uh, an investor day um, where they covered a lot of their strategies, and and they feel like uh, fresh is the big differentiator, the big determinant of where people do their shopping, and they have studies that show Kroger's uh, fresh produce and and fresh products in general rate higher than any of their big, uh, big box competitors, as they call them.
0: Good to hear, right, from the hometown team. You also say that um, Kroger is focusing on what it calls its competitive moats. What do they mean by that, and what is that?
2: Yeah, they've got, um, this is a phrase that you hear sometimes in the business world, and it's basically areas that they feel like they have an advantage and can maintain that advantage. And so they want to, um, understandably focus on those. And they highlighted at the investor day, um, they launched a big, um, it, kind of a three-year, um, shareholder improvement, uh, shareholder value improvement plan, um, that they call leading with fresh and accelerating with digital. And um, so you can tell that those two are two key areas. And uh, in there, they talked about four areas that they consider to be competitive moats, as you mentioned. One is um, basically the digital sales um, meshing with the in-store sales. They call Mm -hmm. it seamless. And it's in-store pickup and delivery, and they are trying to get that. So it doesn't matter if their customer shops in the store does like you do and and buys um online and goes to pick it up or has it delivered and they, they're they trying to get the profit level of their digital sales to match what they make on in-store sales. Um, the other areas are um, personalizing uh, ads and offers and promotions, which they do a ton of. Mm-hmm. Um, their fresh products are one area, and their own store brands um, are are the fourth area that they see as that competitive advantage, that competitive moat.
0: You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC. We're joined by Steve Watkins uh, from The Business Courier, who covers very closely Kroger. Steve, you know, before long before this pandemic came along, Amazon jumped into the fray in grocery stores by buying Whole Foods. And I know there was a significant kind of, like... What's this going to mean? Right. Holding our breath because we know where Amazon goes. Usually everything else is obliterated. Not so, though, for Kroger. So when you look out into the future as as Kroger tries to, uh, you know, go into the brave new world post pandemic, do you see Amazon as a major competitor or do you think Kroger continues to hold its own?
2: I I, I think Amazon is um, a a major competitor and will be more of one as time goes on. They are definitely making a push in the grocery world. A few years ago, they bought Whole Foods, so that got them into the Mm brick-and-mortar grocery world. Now, Whole Foods, as big as it is in the natural and organic area, is nowhere near even close to as big as Kroger in terms of brick-and-mortar sales. But Amazon is creating its own Um, convenience stores. Um, There's Amazon Go, um, these convenience stores in in bigger cities um, where they don't even have um, uh, cashiers and there's not even a self-checkout. People um, basically through their phones, um, Amazon's able to determine what they buy. They charge them through their Amazon account and, and they leave. It's very convenient. Um, and so Kroger, or Amazon is definitely going to be a growing competitor for Kroger. And Kroger, you can tell, is making some uh, changes in response to some of the things Amazon has done. Kroger has started things like they have a, a, a checkout procedure called Scan Bag Go where people scan items in, at their carts. They don't have to go through a checkout line. And
0: I've seen people so, doing that.
2: Yeah, yeah, and Kroger is just uh, about a month or two ago started a a store or two in Texas where they don't have any cashiers. They do have a self-checkout, but it's all self-checkout. There there are people there to help uh, make the process go smoothly, but, you know, Kroger is doing a lot of these checkout things, too, to speed up the process. As you said, you saw a standbag go. And, you know, the idea is to make things as convenient as possible for people.
0: Steve, one more thing before you go. One of the competitive uh, issues that Kroger might have in the future is keeping talent. I mean, you t- talk about Roddy McMullen, their CEO, right? He started as a bagger at one point. So they're serious about <laughs> keeping people around. But you've got Walmart and you've got Amazon and you've got other places raising hourly wages. Uh, news from Kroger this week that they're going to jump in there as well.
2: Yeah, Kroger said they are going to raise their average hourly wage again to $16 an hour. Um, now that's not a minimum. That's an average, but, um, it they, had been $15.50. And, um, they keep raising it. Um, a lot of it is, you know, to be able to keep, uh, good people, as you mentioned. Um, that, that's a big push for them. And, um, you know, they've, they've come under fire for halting their, um, hazard pay that they did for a few months last year. Most grocery stores kind of did the same. They paid it for a while and, and halted it. Um, but Kroger has invested a lot of money in raising the average hourly wage, um, paying for benefits, um, paying for things to protect uh, customers and employees during COVID and those sorts of things, and raising the pay level a little bit is, uh, is all part of that
0: great insight tonight into Kroger and how they're adapting uh, to how we've all started shopping during this pandemic and how the way we shop might change in the future. Steve Watkins, staff reporter for the Cincinnati Business Courier, has joined us with his insights. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You've been listening to the best of Simply Money. Now, if you could do us a favor, send the show to a friend if you think they may benefit from it as well. At Allworth Financial Retirement is what we do.